Today, Carl and Nick are joined by draft analyst Eric Trickle to review some of the recent college bowl game results from a draft perspective, as well as each give their own individual all-draft eligible offense. You're listening to the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up, draft style, of course. I am your host, Carl Dumbler, and with me, as always, we have my co-host, Nick, no pants, no problems, Kendall, and we are joined by regular guest, Mile High Huddle senior draft analyst, Eric, the goat of all things draft and Broncos trickle, to break down the recent showings from prospects in the bowl games. Gentlemen, how was the holidays for you? This is why we shouldn't give Eric the ability to edit the document. <laughs> Did he write that? Yes. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, well, he added no problems, problem. as I always say. Yeah, I had, I had a no problems part. The goat of all things, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I like Eric, but I don't think I would, I would put that in there. I can see that he didn't give you a nickname, which is, uh, I feel like we left you out. That's a little bit rude. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, maybe it was a Christmas gift to do that. The holidays were good, busy. I'm glad that the bowl games were mostly exciting, and I'm glad that this season has mercifully ended because it was a long one, a lot of ups and downs, mostly downs, and ready to talk about how we can make this team better and get the Broncos back in the playoffs. My holidays were pretty good. I'm just glad 2017's over. Spent a lot of time with my family, and I'm going to continue doing that over, I think, the next week. Can't remember when my nieces and nephews go back to school, but plan on spending some time with them until before they do that. Holidays were great. Had a great Christmas. Spent six hours, not really. I think four and a half hours opening gifts. Wow. Jeez, yeah. but we do it. We go youngest to oldest, one gift at a time. So it takes a little bit longer. Especially we don't, just group. Go, we don't just go hog wild and open them all real <laughs> quick. So that's we how we that do it too. down here in Iowa. Free yeah. for all. We, we did that too, and uh, we did the one gift at a time thing, and it wasn't too bad for me. But my two-year-old, yeah, <laughs> I, I was very impressed. She actually stayed pretty calm for it. But I can't imagine being two years old staring at all these presents, and they say, "Nope, can't open them." Oh, it doesn't get any better. My nephew's 12 years old, and we had that issue. <laughs> I had that issue, period. <laughs> oh, Nick. <laughs> what are you, 25 years old? I plead the fifth. <laughs> I am 25-year-old trapped in a 10-year-old's body? Or uh, other <laughs> way around, sorry. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse. Probably a 25-year-old in a 10-year-old's body. That's yeah, it. there you go. There you go. Although he could be brilliant. That'd be kind of cool. Could not really start. Anyway, we're way off the topic here. We should get going. <laughs> Well, the Huddle Up Draft Show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos as it pertains to the upcoming NFL Draft. With Nick and myself being draftaholics, we will be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week from scouting reports, value, scheme, and personnel fits, and general draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter, at MHH, as well as follow Nick, at NickKindleMHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, part of Scout.com, and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. 
Well, boys, let's go ahead and just start with the the college football playoff games that were last night. And one of them, the the Rose Bowl, let's start with there because that was one of the best games. A lot of times these bowl games kind of turn into to blowouts. And to see two teams go to the final wire, go into double overtime, two great organizations, just crazy. It was so much fun to watch that game. Yeah, that was probably the best bowl game of the year. A lot of back and forth, good storylines. You know, both teams really deserved it. Uh, a lot of star power, too. Honestly, you know, we talked about the star power of the Clemson-Alabama game. We'll get to that. But as far as entertainment value goes, this Oklahoma-Georgia game was the most fun I've had watching a college football game since the national championship last year. And, of course, it's been the best bowl game of the year. There's been, what, three games of the year so far? Yeah, about there's been some good ones. But this one, I mean, the Rose Bowl, there's been some dead Rose Bowls recently mainly thinking about iowa getting spanked by stanford but this rose bowl great and i know baker mayfield and that that energy factor brings to it as well but george has a lot of fun players as well and a lot of those guys stepped up big baker mayfield had a pretty good game up and down i'll leave that more to eric to talk about because i'm sure he wants to talk about it but a couple guys that really stood out for me was the the playmakers for oklahoma i know that we've talked a lot about mark andrews carl loves mark andrews but for me marquise brown and Roddy anderson those guys shined tremendously Marquise Brown is, I mean, that dude is flipping fast. What do you have? Eight catches, 114 yards and a touchdown, long of 45. Very fun to watch. And Rodney Anderson, I mean, as much as Baker Mayfield plays point guard, that game was through him. 26 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Rodney Anderson is a guy that could be running back one in next season's draft. And Oklahoma just came short. Georgia played great. They adjusted great and got a lot of good players too. And and I would say there were so many plays where he got stuffed at the line of scrimmage and somehow just emerged from the pile. He was giving so much extra effort in that game just to really, I don't know, he was. He was just so dynamic to watch. I, I was very impressed. I, I went to that game wanting to watch Baker Mayfield, and it became the Rodney Anderson show for sure. Yeah, and also on the Oklahoma side, I got to say, I've been a critic of Orlando Brown Jr. I still am. I don't think he's a top 10 pick. I don't think he's a franchise left tackle like some have said, but he looked more athletic than what I had seen. He looked, He held up better than I thought he would. And if you're looking for a right tackle, especially in that power scheme, Orlando Brown is a guy that can probably make you happy in that position for a long time. That doesn't make him a top 10 pick in my book. Probably doesn't make him a top 15 pick in my book. But still, there's value there, and he's a guy that has some unique tools and traits that make him a fun one to follow going forward. Before I get into my thoughts on the game, I just want to ask, did my joke go over your head, Nick? Which one? I might have missed it. About there being only a few bowl games this year since it's 2018. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally did. I was like, man, you're dumb. There's been a lot of <laughs> of the college season, Lord. of the college Lord. football season. That's a shame. I'm, I apologize. Oh. I was focused on delivering good content to our listeners instead of making puns, but whatever, you know. Hey. It was a good joke. <laughs> Anyways, as, as I often talk about, I don't really like watching college football live. To me, a lot of the games that I watch, they're blowouts and they end up being boring to watch this game as soon as i started watching it i couldn't stop it kept me glued to the tv it was fantastic the back and forth knowing what happened in the first half because i was following it on twitter and how oklahoma basically dominated against that georgia team and then watching georgia make their adjustments and come back that is football the adjustments the back and forth close games that come down to the wire it was what second overtime, and it came down to a blocked field goal for Georgia to win. Yeah, and then they, well, and then Georgia got the ball back, and they just had it, and they ended up running it in for a touchdown. But blocking that field goal was the was basically it. It basically guaranteed them the win, unless Oklahoma turned around and blocked a field goal if they managed to hold them to it. A lot of players really stood out. 
obviously Baker Mayfield, his first half, I went back and watched it today. I thought his first half was really good. It was about as good as you can get. The second half, was there were some rough spots. There's no denying that. And it was all highlighted by the interception. He just overthrew. That was just a really bad throw. Three guys around that receiver. That was a bad yeah. one. Trying to trying to make something happen, trying to force it, just just really, really bad. But he bounced back. Not the following drive, but the drive after. He had two beautiful, perfect NFL throws. One to get them close to the end zone and then one for the touchdown. They were gorgeous. They were they those were the type of throws that I want in a quarterback. And there's a couple other quarterbacks in the NFL or in the draft who can make those throws. I just liked watching him bounce back. I question the play calling though, because once it came down to it they took the ball out of his hands they kept running that um run pass option that just wasn't effective for most of the game especially after the first half orlando brown as he said he looked a lot more athletic but that oklahoma defender their edge rusher i'm not going to try to say his name him i see a lot of talk about him not being an edge rusher in the nfl stop it just stop it he is an edge player in the NFL. Put him in a 3-4 as a rush linebacker and let him play. Do I think he's a starter caliber there? I don't know. I really have to go back and watch watch a few more games of him to really say that. But from what I have seen of him, he is an edge rusher. Maybe he's probably that third guy that subs in, but he's an edge. And that running back for Oklahoma, Ad Anderson, whew, I really like him. I, I can't wait to see more of him. Georgia side of the ball, those two running backs – I'm so sick of people saying, oh, um, Sonny's better than Nick and Nick's better than Sonny. Like, they're both good, so stop it. I like them both. They do different things. They're really good. That freshman quarterback, I can't wait to see him um, progress. Only thing that I really noticed that he has to work on is staring down receivers. Yeah. Struggles to come off that first read. But Smith, the Georgia linebacker, I want him on my team. He can do it all. There are some issues with his game coming downhill, but you can fix that by putting him a little bit by working him around and getting him more speed coming up, more momentum. And there's still room on his frame to add a few pounds. He, there's been talks about what he weighs at and what he's been playing at. I've heard he's been playing about 235, 240. A lot of places have him listed at about 220, so there's some discrepancy there. But he still has the frame that you can add more weight, and his sideline to sideline speed's amazing, and he can cover extremely well. In modern-day NFL, he's the type of linebacker you really want. Yeah, I really like what I saw from Roquan Smith, especially in the second half. He really was all over the field, made a number of good tackles. He didn't – sometimes when they ran at him, he had some issues, but Oklahoma has a monstrous offensive line, and when they're running downhill, they're – I mean, they're hard to stop. It's a reason they – I mean, what did they put up? 48 points? I know overtime was in there, but still. Like, that's that's insane. also like what I see from Lorenzo Carter, edge rusher for Georgia, 6'5", very high recruit, and bendy athletic. He's a bit more of the uh, – He's not a guy that they send on rushes every time. You know, he can kind of play that man defender, zone defender as well, where he can drop because he's long and athletic in that regard as well. I want to see him add more pass rush moves, but he's somebody that I think could blow up at the combine and be a top 40 pick. And then there was a guy as well. He's a sophomore for Georgia that was just playing all over the field. Can't, gosh, what was his name? He was killing it yesterday. I thought I had his name in here. I guess not. He was number 52 for Georgia. But anyway, he was killing it. And I really liked what I saw also from both running backs. You know, you got to love Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's more of a banger, and Michelle's more of a dynamic downhill guy. And I was, I was interested. Carl, we, Eric and I have been talking a lot, but watching that game, what did you feel? get a feel for the Georgia wide receivers, specifically Javon Wims? I thought both Wims and the other wide receiver at Georgia actually made some pretty good plays. And I know they're not really much of a passing team, so they don't get 
displayed as much, but potentially some under-the-radar guys that could be picked up. Terry Godwin's the other one, number five and number six. It was kind of up and down for me with watching them. They showed inconsistent hands kind of early in that game, a couple drops that I saw that uh, both teams had some drops that really hurt, hurt some drives early on for them. And route running-wise, they were decent, not great. They have some some good speed, some good hands. I mean, it just... There's some good things about them, but they, they have a lot of work to do, is what I would say. They're, they're not anybody that would be looking at to all of a sudden rise up draft boards and surprise people. And But again, I mean, they're, they're nice complement pieces. That whole offense flows through Michelle and, and Chubb, though. And Fromm, good quarterback, put it in some good spots for their wide receivers. Like I said, just a couple drops that have me a little bit worried, but same with Oklahoma and some of their plays that they were making. Uh, I just, like I said, just decent. Nothing too... Too exciting for me. From true freshman, can we just mention how poised he was and how he kept his composure? Absolutely, like, especially that, especially that, with how he started because he yeah he wasn't accurate when the fir- the game first started. He was overthrowing guys. He was looking a little jittery, but he settled into that game and just cool as ice. Exactly, and that as a true freshman, that is outstanding to see. That was my thought. Just it's just great to see that from a true freshman, especially at that high of a level. Bringing, working on bringing the team back from the down years that Georgia's had against Oklahoma, who's been a powerhouse, that is exceptional to see from a true freshman. His ability to do pre-snap reads as well, that he was running through there, you know, run checks, even pass checks, with somewhat of a pretty loud crowd. I mean, both Oklahoma and Georgia fans were loud. So, I mean, he, I was really impressed, and he's somebody that has a star next to him going forward, and he's only a true freshman, so... We won't even get to talk about him in the next year's version of this podcast, but definitely one that if there's Vegas taking odds for potential first picks in 2020, he's got to be up there. And then moving on to the next game, the team that Georgia is going to be playing in the national championship, Alabama versus Clemson. And this game turned out to be kind of a snooze compared to the Rose Bowl. Alabama won 24 to six, but they were pretty dominant the entire game. The Alabama defense, I mean, they looked like they were on a mission to make up for last year and you know, not having a guy like Deshaun Watson who can sling it across the yard. Really, really hurt this Clemson offense, and Kelly Bryant just wasn't able to get it done enough, and Bama won. But, man, it's got to start off for me. Alabama, Deron Payne, what a game from the defensive tackle, nose tackle. He's a big boy. He's probably going to be a first-round pick at defensive line. Right now I have a first-round grade on him. He's better at that one-tech, zero-tech, but athletic, controls those gaps really well, can push the pocket, can get after the quarterback as well. You're not primary interior pass rusher, but his ability to control gaps, eat blocks, you know, when at when the point of attack consistently is very, very strong. And he's a guy, he showed his athleticism well as well. Interception and that touchdown reception. So going to give the big guy some love. Deron Payne was my MVP for this game. And I love seeing a defensive tackle making an impact like that. Yeah, this is another one of those games where you just see how good this running back class is going to be. A guy like Damian Harris. Damian Harris, oh my goodness. I was so impressed by his quickness. Just that first step, I, I I was telling Nick earlier today when I was watching this game, just his ability to do the one cut and just go. You put him in a zone blocking scheme and just let this guy kind of run towards the edge and then boom, just cut it up right up the field. Oh my goodness, I think it could be dangerous. And I, I said the guy that I kept thinking of watching him was Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis is faster. He's a little bit more shiftier. But Harris has a little bit more strength. But just that first step and go ability. And just get down, get down the field, and, and make a big play. I just, like I said, I was so impressed by him. Bo Scarborough, he's not a guy that I want. He was okay, but I would say behind that 
Alabama offensive line that was winning the line of scrimmage. I, I just I don't see this guy as being anything special. He's kind of just just another guy, a jag guy that you're going to put on your team. It'll be a depth guy that you put in there every once in a while. But no, Damian Harris, he is just lightning. <laughs> I, I love watching him play. He's not just lightning too. He runs with pretty low pad level and is a good pass blocker. I really like him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he had a strong pre-draft process if he moved up into the top end of day two. I don't think he's dynamic enough for day one, but I think he looks like a future NFL starter, and he's going to be a productive one in my opinion. And then I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of these other guys on Alabama. I mean, just so much talent. You know, you got Jonah Williams, who's not draft eligible, but might be the best tackle in college football right now. Calvin Ridley, we've talked about him before, but Eric and especially Carl, you like this guy a lot. Raekwon Davis isn't draft eligible, but man, next year's defensive line class looks incredible. Raekwon Davis was 99. He was the guy that Minka Fitzpatrick told him to put up or shut up, essentially. And Raekwon, 6'7", 310 pounds. He's somewhere between Buckner and to it where he has that size and that length but i think he's a little bit more athletic than two it is so he's somebody to look forward to next season i think he could be a first round pick in the next draft and then you got obviously those defensive backs at alabama they really controlled this game they made it impossible for kelly bryant you know finishing 18 for 36 on the day with two interceptions just a terrible game for that passing offense for clemson you got minka fitzpatrick rashawn evans in that linebacker ronnie harrison played solid and levi wallace also another guy who had a good game carl you were messaging me about him yeah just he had a tough matchup, obviously, going against Deion Kane, and he played physical with him. He messed with their timing. He was a great tackler. I saw him read uh, about two or three different screen passes where he was coming downhill, making plays, and I just – I was. I was very impressed with him. He had very good hip flip when when he needed to to get down the field, and on those jump balls, he was right there ready to punch it out. I, I don't know. I just – I was. I was very, very impressed with his work. And another guy there, Mika Fitzpatrick, most likely going to be a top 10 pick. This is what I had to say about his game. It was amazing and terrible all at the same time. It was amazing in the fact that he had incredible instincts to replays. He was coming downhill before any other player on a lot of like the screen passes or the quick passes. Where I say that he had a terrible game was he was terrible at tackling. He did not break down. I think in the first half, I counted about four or five plays that he should have had a tackle for loss and he missed every one of the tackles. Now, he slowed down the guy for other guys to come and make the play, but I, for a top 10 pick, I want a guy that I feel like I can trust to, to finish that play, to be a finisher. That's what you like to see in those kind of guys. So just a little disappointed in his game for this one. I, it could have been an epic game if he had been a much better tackler. Thank you. That's what I've been saying about Fitzpatrick for a while now. I've gone over every single game of Bama's, and... Every single time I'm que- I'm writing down questionable tackling, co- questionable tackling, questionable tackling. He sits there and he his instincts are fantastic. His instincts are top five player worthy. It's just the tackling. You want a safety who can be reliable there. And I don't trust his, trust him. I don't think he is that reliable. There were three times where he came screaming down and hit the ball carrier behind the line of scrimmage. And the ball carrier ends up picking up one yard or none. And he's hitting them three yards for three yards behind the line of scrimmage. You gotta finish. In the NFL, that is not okay. It's not okay at the college level either. If you're getting back there and you're have a chance to make the tackle for a loss, you have to pin it down. You have to make it you have to finish. His instincts are great though. And I agree, he played a good game, a great game, but a terrible game at the same time. All my concerns for him are still there. 
He didn't he didn't do anything to answer any of my concerns about his game. He's still not a top 15 play borderline top 15 player for me. Raquan Davis, Deron Payne, I always love watching Bama's defensive line. They're big, they're good, they're talented, they're nasty. Don't always translate to the NFL, but for college level, they're so much fun to watch. Davis next year, I'm excited to see. I hope he really continues on of that putting up and shutting up kind of thing. Payne, I'm excited to see his play going forward. I think he's best as a zero one tech, but you can move him out in certain packages as a five tech and use him as a three tech. And he's not stuck as a pure nose tackle. As for the running backs, I like Harris. Don't like Bo. Calvin Ridley is fantastic. Jalen Hurts, I am not a fan of. And that middle linebacker that the middle linebacker that Crimson Tide has, he Rashawn is, Evans. Yeah, Rashawn Evans. He's the number two linebacker in this class, and his thought, his play is different from that of Smith's, but he's still really good in his own right. He's a more true middle linebacker, that true Mike that you want. Stout against the run, can handle certain coverage packages. Not quite as athletic, but he's that true Mike. And I can't wait for Bama versus Georgia because you get to watch, you get to see Smith and Evans on the same field. Not at the same time, but they're on the same field, and you can really get a comparison of the two against two pretty good units from each other from with that Bama offense and Georgia offense. On the Clemson side of the ball, Deion Kane. A lot of people are high on him. I have to go back and watch more tape, but what I've seen so far, and I've watched three games counting this bowl game, I didn't really care for it. Mitch Hyatt, I want to see a lot more from. I didn't like their the Kelly Bryant, the quarterback for Clemson whatsoever. This was a game that I, I didn't like either quarterback. I don't think they have a future in the NFL as a quarterback. Um, Farrell, though, I really like his play, but more and more I'm starting to slide off of him being a for sure first-round pick. I think his production will make it so. I don't think his talent is first-round worthy, though. Farrell going up against Jonah Williams. I think Jonah Williams can get the win in that mark. And that's tape that they're going to be referencing about talking about Jonah Williams being a top five, top 10 player next year, I'm sure, because he, he handled Farrell pretty well. I was disappointed in general at the whole defensive line for Clemson, probably kind of like the Broncos this season, you know, good defensive unit, but when the offense is playing this poorly, you know, it kind of gets away from you. You know, they still have talent there though. Christian Wilkins will probably be a first round pick this year. He's borderline for me. He's a good athlete, but he's not as much of a football player right now. And they also have the guy who's been getting a lot of hype, six foot, 550 pounds, Dexter Lawrence. But he, he did a good job eating blocks. But Bama still, for the most part, did what they wanted to. But it mostly came from that defense. You know, they got some okay offensive linemen on there. You got Mitch Hyatt and Tyrone Crowder. But both those guys, I thought for the most part, were getting beat up on by that Bama defensive line. Bama just, that front seven, classic Nick Saban Bama, that defense was too dominant. The secondary played their spots correctly, you know, good discipline and they just eventually turnovers and things fell downhill for Clemson and the game was over before you knew it. So not that surprised. Bama deserved to be in the playoff. And it's too bad for the big 10 who had a good bowl season, but cause they Ohio state, you know, beating up on USC. We'll talk about that here soon, but big 10 had a good season, but definitely the best two teams I think are the ones that are moving on. But Carl, I know that you like Deion Kane a little bit. You know, we talked about him a bit today. I don't think he's a first round player, but he does have some talent that make him a second or third rounder in my opinion, potentially, you know, it's always going to depend on how he tests and everything. A little bit slender, not the best attacking the football, but has some athletic tools. Tell me why you like Deion Kane and what you saw from this game that confirmed some of that. I like the, the size compared to the athleticism ratio that he has. Uh, I, 
I was never a big Williams fan last year. I never saw him as a top 15 pick in the draft. Most people, I think, if they've listened to our draft podcast, have kind of caught on. I'm more of those, I like those quick receivers like Ridley. And so I'm actually higher on Kane than I was Williams last year, just in the fact that, one, Kane isn't expected to go as high. So you're getting more that second, third, fourth round area when you're talking about this kid. And I think the the production compared to where you draft him, that's why I'm a little bit higher on him. But I just think he he's a guy that's, he's just starting to figure out some of his potential. You, you can't look at college production and say one way or the other of how a player is going to be. Look at Demarius Thomas for the Broncos. He was, if you look at his stats from college, you would sit there and say, why in the world was this guy a first round pick? Well, because the Broncos obviously saw some traits in him that they said, hey, we can develop this guy and make him a top tier wide receiver. He has that speed. He has that athleticism. He has that height. He has that strength, all of that that you like. You just have to develop him into something. And I feel like that's something, if he goes to the right t- the right team, Deion Kane is one of those guys you can develop and he can be a better pro than he was a college wide receiver. Absolutely. And do you have anything else for this Clemson side? Nothing much. I, like everybody else has been kind of saying, a little bit disappointed. And I thought this defensive line would really take over this game for Clemson. And really just, I, I had Clemson win in this game. Mostly because his defensive line, I just thought they would own the line of scrimmage, and I just nothing, <laughs> just really didn't see it. the The guy I thought I had the had the best game of the four was Austin Bryant, and he was the one guy who was getting a little bit of pressure throughout the game. But otherwise, Farrell, yeah, he was handled pretty much the entire game by by Jonah Williams. I think he had one big play, and that was it. And Dexter Lawrence. He got some push, but nothing like we've seen over the entire season. And Christian Wilkins definitely did not look like a first-round pick in this game. Yep, and that just spells another SEC championship game here for the NCAA title. And we haven't had that since Bama played LSU a few years ago. Or I guess it was more than a few years ago now, but that was the last one that I can remember. And I don't know. I think I think Bama will probably be favored in this match, I think. I would bet money that Alabama is going to be favored in this match, and I would be surprised if they didn't win. Uh, they have a great team, and I think Georgia, while they are great, they don't have the same defensive talent that Alabama has, and Alabama will do enough to take away that run game just enough and put it on that rookie, or rookie, the freshman quarterback, Fromm. And if Fromm can win this, you know, tip your cap, that true freshman. But I'm not going against Saban losing to a true freshman quarterback. It's hard to ever vote against Alabama to win a big game just because they've been in so many. All these guys are what most of them are in their second, third, fourth year and in in being with Alabama and, and no, no group of players have had more experience in big games or at least watching in a big game, knowing what the atmosphere is going to be like. And I just think that could be one thing that really plays against Georgia is what happens when they get into this atmosphere of, are they going to be a little overwhelmed? Like you said, having a freshman quarterback, that's a huge, huge stage to all of a sudden every eye is on you. There's nothing else going on. Uh, that, that's that's a lot to put on a guy, but I love these these two running backs for for Georgia. They're going to have to absolutely dominate. That's going to be tough against this Alabama front seven. Yeah, I got to give the edge to Alabama in this one. The freshman quarterback. I mean, we saw him be poised and composed against Oklahoma, but Alabama's a whole another animal. This defensive line, they're big, they're mean, they're athletic. All these guys, they know how they know what it means to be there. They know what it means to be on that field. They know the atmosphere. They know all this stuff. They're consistent. They do their jobs. And I just – I saw Oklahoma kind of beat up on the Georgia offensive line quite a bit. And 
this Alabama defensive line is a lot better than Oklahoma's. I see a really rough game for Fromm, and they're going to have to rely on Michelle and Chubb, but I don't see Alabama letting them get really carried away and taken over the game. And I can see Bama dominating this one from start to finish. Well, you heard it here, guys. Don't even tune in. No, I'll still be tuning in Monday because there's a lot of these good guys and no preview this week for those games because, well, we spent three and a half hours previewing the games before. So if you're curious about some of these guys, you can go back to that one and check it out for Bama and Georgia. But Bama looks like a team that's going to win again. Unfortunately, if you're not a Bama fan, they're kind of like the Patriots of college football. But, you know, there's a team out there that maybe next year could challenge them. This team that won the Cotton Bowl in pretty convincing fashion. I'm talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes of the Big Ten. Big Ten was almost undefeated. I'm definitely going to hype them up because I'm an Iowa fan and I'm going to live vicariously through Ohio State and other Big Ten teams' successes if I can during the bowl season. And normally the Big Ten gets curb stomped in the bowl season, so I'm excited about that. But, yeah, they really took it to USC at Ohio State has a lot of NFL talent that's on their team right now. We talked about it in the preview one. I mean, that the USC-Ohio State preview took, what was it, half an hour just for those two teams for a non-playoff game. Insane. It's probably because it was the first one, and Carl and I are like to talk a lot. But, man, Ohio State, good job all around from their team. Weber and J.K. Dobbins at the running back position had a good game. You had J.T. Barrett playing typical point guard for an Ohio State game. You know, not an NFL quarterback, but a guy that – does what Urban Meyer wants them to do, and it's effective because that defense and the weapons they have around are good. Paris Campbell looked good. I'm not sure if he's coming out, but he's kind of that H-back wide receiver type. Ohio State offensive line. Billy Price looks like a first-round pick to me at center. Can play some guard as well, but really, really technical. Probably one of the best centers from Ohio State. Probably the best center at Ohio State's since Nick Mangold. So there's there's a name for you, a good center for a long time. And I think, again, a first-round pick at center, that that's pretty pretty good player for center position because that's not a position that's valued so much in the draft. And then a guy that really impressed me on the offensive side of Ohio State that I'm floored that he's not invited to the Senior Bowl is the left tackle for Ohio State, Jamarco Jones. He's not the most technical guy. He plays with sometimes high pad level, can keep his hands low, and doesn't always win that inside push with his hands when he first makes contact. But as far as athleticism and length go, I think Jamarco Jones has a chance to be a pretty good starting tackle in the NFL. I think he could be a probably not. He's not a first round pick in my opinion unless he blows up the combine, but has the tools where I think somebody's going to take a chance on him and he might make an impact year one at the tackle position. OSU, I mean, this was one of the more dominant games to, to watch it. The score to me, honestly, maybe was not as close as it actually was. In, in, I mean, Ohio State just dominated this game pretty much from the beginning. USC stayed in it a little bit just because some big plays happened. and But, oh my goodness, it was just, yeah, it was crazy. That defensive line was just an animal. Sam Hubbard, Nick Bosa, all those guys. It was just they destroyed this this USC offensive line. I mean, it was it was pathetic. It, it'd make Bronco fans happy with the offensive line that we had this past year. That should tell you something. <laughs> but yeah, Sam Darnold, Ronald Jones, they really never had any kind of chance in this one to to be playmakers. They they still made a couple plays here and there. I think this is I, Nick. You said it best. I think on Twitter earlier. This was it today. Uh, I think so, yeah. That you were talking about Sam Darnold, that this wasn't a game that would change your mind. If you don't like Sam Darnold, there was plenty in this game that would secure your thought on that. If you like Sam Darnold, there was plenty to secure why you like Sam Darnold. He just, he had kind of like Mika Fitzpatrick. He had some plays that were just outstanding that just make you go, oh my goodness, how did he just do that? He had one throw, a deep play down the right sideline 
that it was he had maybe a few inches either way for that play to, to actually work. And it was perfect timing. It was perfect spot. It was just incredible. Tight window throw, defender right on the guy, and it just came in. Just They talk about it with, with quarterbacks. Guys can throw it deep, but the guys who are the best at the deep throws are the ones that can get the, get the air underneath it for a wide receiver to be able to run underneath it, and it just kind of drops straight down right into their hands. And Sam Darnold showed that, that ability. And there were some other throws where he showed escapability, and to be able to make a, a great throw on on the run. But like I said, then he shows all of the, the negative qualities that make a lot of people say he should go back. His footwork was not great. His windup ended up leading to, I would say, a fumble. It did. Yeah. He had other decisions that you're just like, what in the world were you thinking? Throwing into triple, quadruple coverage. He had one throw where he's actually just trying to throw it away, and he kept it in the play. And in play and a guy almost picked it off should have picked it off. So again, you see the good and you see the terrible with him. And it's just a matter of, you got to get this guy with the right coaching staff. You're going to have to get this guy working on some, some basics of the position, but he's also shown he's a guy that's willing to work. I was watching uh, the sports science where they were showing just how much he has sped up his release from last year to this year. So again, just a guy that's willing to work on the things to get better as a quarterback, but Again, he's he's got some some red flags that are going to make people either really really excited or really really hesitant to ever draft this kid. Yeah, Darnold played up and down. He had those some plays out of the pocket, that beautiful touch, throwing guys open, which is something that is hard. You know, you see guys running systems and putting up stats, but they're not make them ask. They're not asked to make too many NFL throws, and you know they have the RPOs and tunnel screens and everything. But you see Darnold, you see Rosen, you see Mayfield throw with anticipation, and that's something that really separates these guys. And, you know, I could see the Broncos taking Darnold if he's there. I could see him skipping him because he's definitely the potential where if he's not careful with the football and dirty with his footwork and also, you know, a little bit of an awkward release, he has some a little bit of Blake Bortles to his game. That's I think that's the, the low side for Darnold, but he also has that upside. And, you know, a guy that if he does come out, which I'm not sure he will, if he should, I think he would do well. Going back, but there's some talk that the USC offensive staff isn't the best for developing him, and what more he'd probably get more coming to the NFL and playing underneath uh, NFL coaching and everything like that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, there's a lot that can happen between now and the draft, but definitely interesting. And you hit on it. That Ohio State defensive line just absolutely beat the crud out of USC up front. Yeah, Nick Bosa looks like a top three pick next year. I think that Sam Hubbard's a first-round pick this year at edge. Then you got Draymond Jones, a defensive tackle, who's an interior pass rusher type that has size and length and burst. So they just, they're winning with three-man fronts. And when you're winning up front and you're getting pressure consistently with three or four-man fronts, quarterback's going to have a long day. And that's what happened. It got out of control quickly for USC. And USC did have some good play from some of their defenders. I saw Cam Smith and Rasheen Green and Uchenna Nwoso make some plays as well. But they kept, I think they kept USC in it for the most part as well. I mean, it was only 24-7, to 7, but... Up front at Ohio State, defensive line just overwhelmed USC, and it was, it was that Darnold couldn't do enough to make up for how bad that USC offensive line was getting beat up. With all the talk on Darnold, I'm just going to say one thing about it, and it's just kind of reiterating stuff that you said. This game showed Sam Darnold's big potential, his big potential to be a bust and his big potential to be something. As for Ohio State, that offensive line just, they controlled the game. Jamarco Jones, he actually showed me a little bit more than I had, and I'm can't wait to dig deeper on to some of the other tape that I haven't gotten to. Billy Price, I'm, I, I like quite a bit. 
in that second round, maybe third. He's a center guard type. That defensive line of Ohio State, they're like Alabama. There's just a lot of talent there. And they are pretty consistent with the talent they get from their defensive line. The Ohio State linebackers, I thought they looked kind of impressive. I can't remember which one of the three it was, but one of them stood out more than the others. I'm trying to remember which one. I don't remember. I'd have to look over my notes. I don't have them with me. I think it was Booker. I think Booker's so. Who, yeah, Booker's big and long, and he kind of plays more of that coverage outside guy, but they put him inside, and he can move for his size. I'm I'm impressed. I would not be surprised if he killed it at the combine and uh, rose up boards because he is apparently just one of those athletic monsters. Yeah, I think that's who it was, but I just I can't remember. I don't want to say for sure without having my notes with me. As for USC, some guys on that defensive side of the ball, they stood out a little bit, but I was actually disappointed with that offense against Ohio State's defense. They had a really rough time. Jones, there was one run play where I came away really questioning his his vision. And he had some space to the outside, and he cuts it back to where basically a free defender is coming. And it just – it really didn't sit well with me seeing that and because in every other game that I've watched with him, his vision's normally been great. And so I see that, and it's like, yeah, was he just following the play called so well that just it just raises a little question of his vision. But this game – wasn't as close as the score dictates. I think Ohio State pretty much controlled it. Um, USC made just enough plays to keep it from getting really out of hand. I can't wait to see what happens with these teams going forward. Sam Darnold, I mentioned on him, he should return. But if he does return or enters the pros, can't wait to see what happens with him. This was a good game, but a bad game to watch at the same time. There's a lot of impressive plays, a lot of impressive performances from players. But the score and how the product on the field just was kind of just not so entertaining. Yeah, and I got to say, Deontay Burnett, Carl, good call, man. I mean, it's just one game, but he probably was one of the worst, least clutch players on the field. Fumbles, not running great routes, and just just a terrible, terrible game from Deontay Burnett. Sam Darnold, he has some wide receivers out there that made some plays, but Burnett, his draft-eligible one, not a great game. This is what I would recommend to people. Go back and watch that interception, that pick six by, by Darnold. That throw was not all his fault. It was a bad read. It was not the greatest throw or anything like that. But Deontay Burnett is also to blame for that. He ran one of the worst slant routes I've ever seen. He completely rounded it off. You could tell he didn't want to get hit because he knew guy was coming down the field. It was just, it was terrible. That one is on, that one's partly on Burnett. And that's what I've seen all year. He has those times where he'll go out and make those great catches. If you watch his highlight reel, you're going to come away and say, this guy is incredible because he will. He'll make some really, really tough catches. He'll make a diving catch here and there. And But for the most part, he is a guy that is just so inconsistent. You just can't trust him as a quarterback that he's going to be where you want him to be. I've seen him sometimes have some hesitation. I, I talked about this in the preview, so I, I shouldn't go into this too much. But again, this is a great game to show just all the things that I've seen wrong with this kid and why I wouldn't take him until sixth, seventh round of the draft. Yeah, definitely not a guy that I think very highly of going forward, but I'd like to move on to the next game if that's okay. But moving on, we have the Fiesta Bowl where Penn State defeated Washington 35-28. to 28. This was a pretty fun game back and forth, and we didn't see 
I mean, just for how much they run the football, Barkley, I thought I mean, they could have had him in there, in there more. They did a lot of backup running backs as well, but Barkley, man, he had a phenomenal game and prob- potentially the first overall pick in this draft. I know that probably should be a quarterback, but Barkley, I mean, he's he is just absolutely phenomenal. And Eric, you told us some information about how fast there are some rumors that how fast he ran without his pads this offseason. Uh, there's been some rumors floating around that before, during a summer practice or spring practice, he ran a 40 without his pads on, and it was 4.04 or something like that. And then he ran it with pads on, and it was 4.27, I want to say. At 230 pounds, potentially. Yeah, this kid, this kid is ridiculously fast. Can't wait to see his 40 at the Combine. I want to see how true that rumor is. A lot of people that I've talked to, they're not expecting that fast because college 40s that they run, because they often have a lot of players run it, are very wrong. The stopwatch isn't the best thing to use, things like that. And But there are a lot of rumors that he will have the fastest 40 time ever. So I'm just, I'm just excited to see that. Yeah, he had a great game, 18 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns. That 92-yard one he had, oh my gosh, I could literally hear the sound barrier breaking as he turned that corner and got upfield. So fast. <laughs> just ran away from everyone. It was absolutely insane. Didn't juke anybody. He just literally paced it, paced it. There's the edge. Different speed. It was incredible. And yep. I'm, I'm just I'm floored by this man's talent. I know you're not supposed to take a running back top of five in the draft, but if he's there at five, I, I'm probably taking him. I mean, he's just... Whatever quarterback you have is going to be 10 times better if you have a guy like Barkley where you can give it to him 20 times a game and instant offense. It's it's incredible. As one scout said on that 92-yard run by Barkley, is you saw him hit six different gears on that run. Oh. He starts off slow. He gets the hole. He sees it, bursts through it, gets the edge, and continues to speed up. It's That, that run was ridiculous. I just loved watching the safety that was the last line of defense. And he had what looked like a good angle. And then all of a sudden, like you said, he just hit that next gear and it just made the guy look like he was standing still. Yeah, that safety, he did have the right angle. And Barkley just leaves him in the dust. Like, Sorry, I've, I've watched that play over so many, to- so many times because I'm such a huge Barkley fan. He left. Anyways. Let's just go on before I gush more about this play. The other guy that deserves gushing from this game, you have some other guys from Penn State that played well. You know, Deshaun Hamilton, Kaseki, Jason Kabinda, Christian Campbell, who's a cornerback that I think might be a little bit underrated. Marcus Allen and Trace McSorley actually had a pretty good game. I'm assuming he's returning next year. But on the Washington side of the ball, Vita Vea is a freak athlete. He's somebody that I was not as impressed with last season. I thought he wore down this season. He looks to be in tad better shape. And just his, his movement ability at his size and the power he brings – and versatility, too. I mean, he actually has the athleticism at 6'5", 345, which is an insane size. But he has the athleticism to play 5-tech, 3-tech, 1-tech, 0-tech. I honestly like him better at a 5 and 3, where he can have a little bit more freedom to rush the passer and create. But, man, that guy, he had some run stops at Barkley. Obviously, he's not going to catch Barkley from behind. If he did, it literally might cause the atmosphere to burn because something with that much mass shouldn't move that fast. And Miles Gaskin played as well, well also. And Washington just not... They, they kept it close, but not good enough to keep up with Penn State. And Jake Browning, I know that some people think that he might be an NFL quarterback, but small guy, weak arm, and I, ju- I just don't see it. He'll, he maybe will play a Arena League football or Canadian League football, but NFL, yeah, I don't, no way. And uh, 
Yeah, Eric, I know you have some thoughts on Via as well. I just wanted to interject about one play. They lined him up as a five tech and he actually turned the corner. Like he got pretty close to a 45 degree angle that you see from elite edge NFL rushers. And and my jaw dropped at a guy that size being able to get turn the corner and bend like that (laughs) was just fantastic to see. Yeah. He might be one that could freak out at the combine and end up a top 15, top 10 pick. I don't oh, know if yeah, I yeah. would take him there, but I'm hearing the Nada, the Nada vibes are starting to come off, and people are starting to say throw that name around more. So I'm excited to watch him going forward. They are. There is still some concern from people that I've talked to, though, just about how used nose tackles are, because majority of them, majority of teams, they don't use them more than about 40% of the time. But those teams that do, those teams that have those nose tackles that are a big part of their offense or big part of their defense that play. 75, 80, 90% of their snaps. This guy's definitely on their radar. And I can think of one team in particular that could use him, even though I like the guy that they use, have been using at nose tackle. And that's the Falcons. I like Grady Jarrett. I like Vea. Pairing those two together because you can move both of them around. Like, whew, that would be nasty. As for other players in this game, I think Hamilton, the receiver for Penn State, I think he really settled or cemented himself as probably a third or fourth round pick for that slot slot specialty. I, I liked what I saw a lot out of him. Jacecki, dude's a freak. McSorley, I like what I saw. I want to watch him next year. I talked to a scout after this game and said that he was told to return by multiple people, and obviously he listened to it, and that next year he could possibly he can raise his draft stock to probably second or third round depending on Baker Mayfield, because Baker Mayfield is the comparison for him. The similarities are extreme between the two, and McSorley just doesn't have some of the maturity and off-field issues. As for Washington, Dante Pettis, what were you thinking, dude? <laughs> just run out of bounds. Miles Gaskin, he looks good. I, I- I'd take him on my team. Jake Browning, go to, co- go to can- Canadian football. Go to arena football. NFL is not for you. Too big, too fast for you. Your arm's not strong enough for it. I'm sure you're a nice enough guy. I'm sure you mean have big dreams and want to play in the NFL. Don't want to tell you to give up, but NFL's not for you. Carl? You'd mentioned a guy that really impressed me in this one, and Deshaun Hamilton. I just love his foot quickness. He is a guy, I they tried to do press coverage against him a few times, and it did not go well. <laughs> That's something you love to see because he's going to see that a lot in the NFL. You're going to see the, especially young guys. They always want to test you out and see how well you can do in the, the hand fighting and his feet. He's just so quick. He gets off that and, and gets open in a hurry. And, and that's one of my favorite traits in a receiver. How quick can you get open? Because in the NFL with how terrible offensive lines are, you're having to get that ball out in a hurry. And the best offenses are the ones that have those guys that, a quarterback can pretty much be throwing as soon as they hit their back foot and just trust that you're going to get open. That's what you see with Brady and Edelman. That's that combination is almost unfair in the NFL because of how quick he can get open and how often he gets just wide open. And this is a guy again, just with those quick feet, you'd love to have him on your team. And just a guy that, especially on those little third and short plays, a quarterback can hit him real quick and boom, big play possibly another guy here. Uh, that we didn't really talk about with Vita Via is just how strong his hands are. That, that's what continues to impress me with him. He just will throw guys to the side. 
We talk about it with like Quentin Nelson, who we're going to talk about here in just a little bit of how strong he is and just how much he just destroys people. Via does some of that same stuff just on the other side where he, I saw one play where he had to run stuff and blocker had him just perfect, had him centered. And all of a sudden Via just picks him up, throws him to the side, tackles the running back. Just seems so simple to him. Yeah. He's incredibly strong and athletic for that size. And I am coming around on him. He's going to have to work to do some conditioning, but a big fan. Anyone else have some wrapping up comments on this game? Not on this game, but I just have something that I just got texted from a source that actually is relevant to this podcast. Okay. Breaking news. From USC, Ronald Jones. He's expected to declare for the NFL draft. Not surprising. Nothing official, but that's just where all the talk is that he seems to be leaning, and it'll probably be official within the next few hours to day or two whenever he decides to officially announce it. Well, there you go. A couple names to watch on that Penn State side as well. We didn't talk about them that much, but Marcus Allen and Christian Campbell, I believe both are at the Senior Bowl, so definitely worth watching going forward. And now back on to another back-to-back-to-back Big Ten winners. Wisconsin defeating Miami 34-24, to snapping off that turnover chain. I loved the Wisconsin head coach, you know, talking a hard time about that Wisconsin turnover chain. My curse word so i'm not going to get in there but jonathan taylor man great game from him at the running back position i think he broke the all-time freshman rushing yard record horny brook fumigali edwards that offense moved the ball well defense played great you know you got Dooley, edwards jacob and nelson good players in miami they started off strong that first quarter they dominated but then wisconsin that run game just pushing them and rosier not a great quarterback and that miami defense they seem like they're a year off yet Braxton Berrios, yeah, he's solid, but a slot receiver. I don't, I don't really love him, especially when you already have Carlos Henderson on the team, and a lot of those good defensive players on Miami are a year away still. Those linebackers a year away. We'll see if Michael Jackson declares. He's kind of a cornerback that could rise depending on how he tests. And I saw a lot. I really, really like what I see from number ninety-nine on their defensive line. Their edge rusher Joseph Jackson, but again, a sophomore a year away, and a guy that we can just put a star next to him and see where he is at this point next season. Yeah, I agree a lot with that. I think basically Miami in general, they're just a year away. They're still working on coming back completely from where they were at. A lot of talent a year away. I liked a lot of potential that I saw from their players. Take that next step. Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, man, I enjoyed watching him. But when it comes to NFL, though, there's going to be talk about that Wisconsin running back history and Hornybrook, left-handed. He can make some throws, but he's not an NFL quarterback. Fumagalli, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a lot better than even people think. TJ Edwards, he's another guy that I love. I wish he was coming out, but from everything I've heard, he is returning as well. Yeah. I just This was a fun game to watch. I think it would have been a little bit more competitive if, say, this was Miami's team next year versus this year's Wisconsin team. Miami was missing their best two weapons from the season as well. Yeah, it just – Miami, they just didn't seem there yet. So, I was a little shocked. If you would have told me that Alex Hornerbrook would have four touchdowns, go 23 of 34 for 258 yards, I would have thought Fumagalli would have been a big part of that. But it looked like Miami really worked to shut him down and just pretty much say anybody else but him in the passing game beat us. And kudos to Hunter Brook for finding him and, and doing well with that. I think this is one of the best games I've seen him play. Yeah. I agree he's not NFL caliber, but just his ability to, to go through his reads. Because I've seen, especially that Ohio State game, 
I just saw him really lean upon Fumagalli. Like he just would throw it to him anytime he felt any kind of pressure. And it just, it didn't work obviously <laughs> since they lost that game. So good to see him kind of mixing it up a little bit, showing a little bit more actual quarterback ability to really move the ball around to a lot of different targets. And, but again, just Fumagalli, I thought he would be a bigger part of this game. And I just, he, he's a good tight end. Don't get me wrong. He's just not always my favorite kind of tight end. I like those, I like those quicker tight ends. That's why I love Mark Andrews. That's why I loved Ingram last year. I love those guys that are just huge matchup nightmares. And not that Fumagalli is not a, a a matchup difficulty. I just think those other two are, are bigger matchup nightmares than what I think Fumagalli is going to be for the NFL. Yeah, I hear you. He's more of an inline guy, which I think that's what Jake Butt will be as well. So probably not a guy the Broncos are looking at, but you never know. And there's rumors that Nick Nelson, cornerback for Wisconsin, is going to come out as well. I watched him particularly, and I thought he had a pretty good game. I wouldn't be surprised again. He's one of those guys that, depending on how he does the combine and all this post-draft stuff, he could rise up boards. Transfer from Hawaii. Good player. Good player. Yeah, I, I think he's a good player. So one to definitely watch out for. I haven't. I don't remember a Wisconsin cornerback coming out in a while, but he's one that stands out, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's taken in day two in the NFL draft. Maybe even rise, depending on his combine, but... Right now, with day two, feels like a pretty safe projection. You yeah, think so as well, Eric? Um, he declared one reason why he declared is that he was hearing round round two, round three talk with a chance to rise up to higher up into the round two. So that's definitely yeah. about where he is. I haven't watched him personally. That's just things that I've heard. Yeah, good size for that cornerback position. Not so much lengthwise, but he's very squat, very sturdy, and good tackle on that side. So fun guy to watch going forward. And finally, the last game we're going to talk about, unless you guys have any ones to stick out, the, the last Big Six bowl game, or the New Year's Six, as I like to call it, UCF defeats Auburn to go undefeated on the season. And 34-27 in the Peach Bowl. UCF, I, lost, I would have lost money on this game. I definitely would have picked the Auburn Tigers win this game. I think Vegas had them at 11 points, 9 points. But Frost and his staff, they took it to an SEC team that played pretty well this season. I mean, a team that beat Alabama and beat them. They very fun to watch them. Mackenzie Milton had a good game for him, not only throwing the football, but rushing it as well. Had three total touchdowns. Traquan Smith and Jordan Akers are two guys that they have. That unfortunately, Scott Frost is leaving for them, but I think both probably end up having some NFL impact. And Mike Hughes, I think he's going to declare early. He had some big plays in the return game and a little bit undersized, but a good corner. And Shaquem Griffin, I'll leave that to one of you guys talk a little bit more about that. Auburn, disappointing. Jarrett Stidham, you know, he showed some flashes, but I thought he held on to the ball too long, and the game just kind of got away from him. Auburn's better when Stidham's throwing, you know, less than 35 passes, and they had him up to 43, so it wasn't working, and that's because UCF did a great job stopping the run. Carryon Johnson only had 71 total yards, 3.2 average, not great, and for having a team that's, you know, so predicated on the run, it's it's a big deal. Braden Smith had an okay game. Austin Golson was, I think, beaten pretty soundly in the left tackle spot. So Carlton Davis didn't play, unfortunately. Another cornerback that sat out this game that's going to be probably making a switch to the NFL next season. But, yeah, surprising game. UCF, hat tip, good season, undefeated. Sorry didn't get a chance for the the playoffs. Would have been interesting to see him in there. But congrats on the undefeated season nonetheless, and maybe we'll get an argument for a smaller school team making it in the future because of UCF's undefeated season. Kerryon Johnson was the, the guy that really disappointed me in this one. I saw him a, a few times really miss some open holes. He kind of more just did the run run into the pile. When he had some cutback lanes, he had some opportunities to go make some plays. I, I just 
for a guy that I've been pretty high on that before this in our preview episode, I talked about him, that he was a guy that I was really excited to, to see. And I just one of his worst games that I've seen. And it's kind of been a little bit of their season is kind of how he goes. The, the game goes for them when he really started breaking out after a few games into the season. All of a sudden, Auburn takes off and they start beating number one ranked Georgia and then number one ranked Alabama. And and but he kind of got hurt there for a little bit and he just hasn't quite been that same player that we saw before. He runs just a little bit too upright for me. I don't know. Just I think he's a good downhill runner and everything, but I don't think he's super dynamic in terms of his shiftiness and everything. He'll probably be a day two pick, but I like personally I like guys like Damian Harris more. Oh, I do, too. Yeah. I don't like Johnson at all. I wouldn't touch him before the fourth round. Yeah. Some people love him, but, you know, not everyone who has an opinion is informed. (laughs) The thing with him is that going to school, returning to school, or declaring, neither one hurts him. If he returns to school, I don't see him raising his stock higher than where it's at now for some teams, and I don't see it lower in it. And returning, it's just, why risk the injury going back to school when you can go now, so... He's actually declared. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was just talking about why it was better for him to declare because there was no point really to return. Right. Okay. Sorry. Shaquem Griffin has an amazing story. I absolutely love the story. I can't remember what it was called. Ambiotic something or another that left it to where his left arm, left hand had to be amputated. Yes. What he's done in college is an, it should be an inspiration the fact that he's been able to do what he did and he's been named there, the UCF Knights MVP, defensive MVP, being able to do that. The fact that he has a shot at the, at the NFL, it's an, it's an inspiration for anybody. It's going to be a movie eventually. Yeah, it it should be. It's just a fantastic story. I like, I like what I saw of McKenzie Milton. I want to see more next year. I kind of have a soft spot for quarterbacks like him as for Auburn. Stidham was the was disappointing, and I think this cements him returning to school. And Braden Smith, I actually liked a little bit of what I saw from this game, but it wasn't enough for me to really change my opinion on him. I still see him as that fourth, fifth round kind of offensive lineman that you take. All right, and that wraps up the Bowl Six games, the New Year's. All right, and that wraps up the New Year's Six Bowl games. Do you guys have anything else you want to shout out from this bowl season? Uh, Big Ten doing great. Hawkeyes get the win. Go Hawks. Got to get that shout out in there. And I don't know if you guys, did any of you see the the game-winning play of the Notre Dame-LSU game? I did not, actually. I didn't get to see the end of that game. Is that the one? Oh, my gosh. Guys, nobody saw that one? I think I saw it, but I'm trying to remember. It was like a one-handed catch behind the guy's back. Yeah. And then he, like, juked three different guys to make the game-winning play. Like, Carl. Carl, I'm sorry I'm that to you right now. No, it's okay. <laughs> I just, um, wow. That's the only thing you can say about it. Wow. It was Miles Boykin made a great play to win the game against LSU. I'm going to send that to you right now. But yeah, if you guys don't have anything else about the, the draft. No, no, not about the draft. But before we get to this next section, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Actually, let me try that one more time and I'll get a transition there. All right. Well, that's enough talk about the bowl games. We'll be recapping the college football championship obviously but before we get on to the next section here we want to say thank you to our sponsor audible get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android 
Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right, guys. Well, I informed you of this yesterday and we talked about it, but we're going to do our first part of our all draft eligible team, starting with the offense. And that includes a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a tight end slash wide receiver, and offensive weapon. So running back, fullback, tight end, slash wide receiver, and then five offensive linemen. So Eric, we're going to start with you. Your quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Oh my I just gosh, think, I'm shocked. I just think overall, he's the best playmaker from the quarterback position of the group. I know that we can we get to build our own line, which would help out Josh Rosen and Darnold figuratively in this scenario. But still, personally, I see him as the best playmaker of the group, so that's why I'm going to go with him. All right, Carl, quarterback. <sighs> Sam Darnold. I do think he'll probably return, but just when I'm projecting, he's the guy that I, I think is going to end up being the best of this group. All right, I'll just be different. I'll take Josh Rosen. I think he's my 1A to Darnold being 1B with Mayfield being a close three. I like all three. And just as far as plug and play, especially in an NFL team, I think Rosen's probably very solid. And since I get to build an offensive line, I'm not as worried about his pass rush. You know, his struggles against good pass rush. So I'll take Rosen here to be different and because he's worth a shout out. And I will go back to back on my running backs here. I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis, both of the top two running backs for me. I feel like Barkley is a better complement, or Barkley and Geis are both complement each other very, very well. Both can do a lot of different things, but Geis more of a banger, and Barkley can be outside, you know, shotgun runner, wide receiver as well. And they're my top two running backs. I don't think that, I mean, obviously you're going to go with Barkley, both of you, I would assume. But for me, they're my top two running backs. And it's hard to ever go you? against Geis either. That, that's Try that one more time. Sorry. Oh. One more time. And it's hard to go against Geis either. I mean, he was he was so fun to watch in his bowl game. He was just throwing guys to the side, and he just runs with such purpose. I, I love his game. So the, the, I'm I'm with you. It's hard to argue with Barkley and Geis being the top two guys. All right, Eric, you got something different? Or are you with us? I'm going to take Barkley, of course, but I'm not going to take Geis. Instead, yeah. I think I'm going to go and take Damian Harris. Oh, man, you sly dog. I think Geis is great. I just think that Harris is a little bit more complimentary to Barkley than Geis's. And I like Harris quite a bit. I think right now he sits as my number four running back with a mark to go back and watch a couple certain games that I've heard are ones to watch for him. And Geis, again, I think he's great. He is my number two back and he cemented there. But just looking at complimentary to Barkley, I just think Harris compliments better, as I said. All right. I love it. I love it. That's a good pick. I like Damon Harris a lot. Eric, we got back-to-back wide receivers here. So start us off. Two wide receivers. Well, first off, I don't think there's any question about this. Calvin Ridley. I mean, he's the best wide receiver there is in this group. The other one, not sure on the other one. Definitely want to get somebody who's complimentary to him. Thing in between a couple different players. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Christian Kirk. I like what I've seen out of him a lot, and I think he compliments him pretty well. And then with that offensive weapon spot, you still have that person that can I have go a tight end wide receiver spot and a running back fullback tight end wide receiver yeah. spot so you still have right, places that time. you can go and compliment even more and i think those two yeah. it's you just get somewhat complimentary skill sets all right back to back wide receivers carl yeah calvin ridley i said in my preview episode that he is my number one wide receiver in this draft so i can't go against that and nothing in the bowl game made me change my mind on that then the next guy i feel like i'm copying here but i, I said christian kirk as well that's who I have on my list and just such a dynamic player. Again, I love those dynamic guys that can just 
make, get open in a hurry. They can do a lot of different things on the field. You can have them go deep. You can have them run them short. It, it just, I love that skill set. So it's hard for me to argue with that. I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley as well for my first guy. He's more of that 1B type option where you can play inside, outside, good route runner, decent long speed and tracking. But for my second wide receiver, I'm going to go with my favorite catch point, catch radius guy in Auden Tate, six foot five, 230-pound wide receiver from Florida State. He's had some injury issues, and I know Florida State didn't throw the ball the best this year, but I really like what I see from Auden Tate. He has the ability to high point the football very well, really strong hands, enough fluidity in his routes where he can get separation to add good size. And as far as the ability in the red zone, I mean, he's he's got some tremendous skill sets to pluck the ball out of the air. So I'm going to go with a, more of a bigger possession guy to complement Ridley there at that second wide receiver p- spot and go with Auden Tate. We'll see if he declares, but he's one that I think could rise up the boards if he does come out. Tight end, and then I have a tight end slash wide receiver. My tight end, I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. I think that he is the best wide receiver in this class, or best tight end in this class. He's listed as a wide receiver on Oklahoma's depth chart but he's going to play a tight end at the next level. 6'5", 250-plus, great athlete, runs good routes, and use him more in the pass game against Georgia. But, you know, you got Roquan Smith and some athletic linebackers that can do that. But I love Mark Andrews, good player. And for my tight end slash wide receiver, you guys already listed him. I just have this already written out. But I have Christian Kirk listed there. He'd come in as the wide receiver three for me in this set. Uh, you know, obviously can rotate with Tate depending on what you want to do there. But he's a size – or not a size guy. He's a speed guy. Not the best route runner right that now, but a dynamic athlete and going to add a big boost to the return game as well. So my receiving weapons I have there, Calvin Ridley, Auden Tate, and then tight end, Mark Andrews, tight end slash wide receiver, I go with Christian Kirk. And then finally, also, before we get to the offensive line, got that all-around offensive weapon guy. My favorite all-around offensive weapon guy in this entire class has got to be Jalen Samuels of NC State. He's played running back. He's played wide receiver. He's played tailback. He's played in the Wildcat. He's played everything and i absolutely love his skill set uh you can play him at fullback i think that's probably where he'll play a decent amount at the next level but just so versatile and can be used in a variety of ways and i i'm really hoping that he doesn't go to the patriots or a team with a good smart quarterback slash offensive coordinator because he is a mismatch weapon and i love his game all right well starting with tight end again i've already said on this show many times i love mark andrews i have a crush on him i've written many love letters to him so he's got to be in there and looking at that wide receiver tight end position, I guess just kind of have that other side complimentary piece for him. I would have to go with Hayden Hurst, just that six, six frame, 250 pounds, just that guy that can go up there and get that football. Like I said, I think he's just such a great compliment to Mark Andrews. Who's more of that speed, speed guy, quick guy, get down the seam kind of guy. And I just, I I love that kind of combination for an NFL team. And then looking at my running back, fullback, tight end, wide receiver, the guy that I just see is that all around dynamic weapon. It's got to be, oh, let me think here for a second. Can be any of those positions specifically. I know, I know. Um, I'll go Damian Harris. Oh, okay, cool. Not that I, I, I don't know, receiving wise, he's not the guy that I'm thinking, Hey, this guy's going to go in there and be this 50, 60 catch kind of guy. But again, just that dynamic playmaker that you can have go out wide. You can have run between the tackles. I just, I love his game. I, after watching this bowl game, especially just seeing this guy's quickness to the hole. I, Oh my goodness. Like I said, I just had so many flashbacks to Clinton Portis 
And that guy was just so dynamic in this zone blocking scheme. And yeah, I love him. All right, Eric, tight end, tight end slash wide receiver, and then all around offensive weapon. For I'm going I'm to do it different order with my all around offensive weapon. I'm going to go Miles Gaskin. I I don't know. More I watch him, more I like him. I like Jalen Samuels as well, as you touched on, is that he's done everything. But with the style of team that I'm building in my mind here, Miles Gaskin just fits it better. For my tight end wide receiver, I'm going to go with Dalton Schultz. I think he's vastly underrated, and I think he's probably a top three tight end in this class. He's that guy who you can do whatever you want with, in line, out wide, slot, wherever you can move him around. He's big. He's quick for being as big as he is. And then Dallas Goddard. You did it. Hey. You nailed it. He's a small school, small school prospect, but his talent is off the charts. South Dakota State, he is great size. Um, I think he's like 6'5 and 260 pounds or something like that, and he's extremely athletic. He's a freak athlete for his size. Just, again, it's with what I want. I like Mark Andrews. I like Hayden Hurst. I like Troy Fumagalli. I was talking, I was debating between all three of those guys. There's something about him that just I gravitate to. I want him. I understand that he played at a small school. I think he's going to be great at the NFL level anyways. I don't see any issues with him transitioning. I think he will come in and make a pretty good impact right away. Yeah, I can't can't argue with that. Dallas Goddard's one I want to see test first, but all indication is he's going to be a freak athlete, and he's definitely up there. And I like Dalton Schultz, but I'll be honest, when I've watched Stanford, it's been their sophomore tight end that's stood out the most to me, Caden Smith. I really like his skill set as well. Of course, they use two tight ends pretty effectively there at Stanford. I don't David disagree. A good job. I think that sophomore is a little bit better, but I like I like Dalton Schultz a lot too. Yeah. Caden Smith or Noah Fant, tight end one next year. We'll see. <laughs> all right, Eric. Well, I actually, to move this along, one last turnaround for all of us, the entire offensive line. I'm going first? Yes, unless you'd want me to go first. We can punt to myself. All right. Doesn't matter. Give you a chance to fill it out if you want, because I have mine in front of me. All right. Um, for left tackle, I think I'm going to go with Connor Williams. I think he's got the best upside as a peer right tackle there is. Left tackle? Left tackle. For right tackle, um, I think I'm going to go with Orlando Brown, just for kind of a big that big presence that you want me nasty. Um, I think he's athletic enough for what I want to, what I'm imagining here for this team. And if I want to change it up, I can with him. He's, I, I don't think he's first round really, but I still like what I see a lot and of other potential right tackles that I have. I think he's the best pure right tackle prospect there is, which is obviously why I'm going to go with that way. Then for my guards, I'm going to go with Will Hernandez and Quentin Nelson. These are my two, two my top two guards and just making the best line I can that have enough strength and athleticism to do what I want with this team. Quick, big, strong. And then for center. Top list of guys that are pretty well known are Frank Ragnow of Arkansas, Mason Cole of Michigan, or Billy Price of Ohio State, unless you're moving a guy inside, which is possible. And you got a guy like Sean Walsh and James Daniels from Iowa might declare. Some talk that he's a day two guy. I was actually thinking about basically everybody you named, but I think I'm going to go with Frank Ragnow. I like what he brings. Again, he's a guy who, if I have to, I can put him outside at guard, but I think he is better at center for the NFL game. That runs out my offensive line. I just think it's versatile enough to do multiple things, and they fit with kind of what I want to do and what I want up front for my offensive line. Awesome. All right, Carl, your offensive line. Well, I think all of us are going to have pretty similar guys just because it's pretty well known who some of these these top guys are. Connor Williams. Hard to go against him. He's one of those few guys that that really could be top 10 pick tackle. 
show, has shown really well. A little bit down this year, but some of that could be blamed more on injuries. Quentin Nelson, another guy that I write love letters to. So I, I got to have him on my list. I was thinking about Will Hernandez, but I, I feel like I got to be a little bit different just to, to get a few more names out there for everybody. And so a guy that showed up here in, in the in the college football playoffs, Isaiah Wynn. Mm. We didn't really talk about him a whole lot, but he plays tackle, but he'll be, he'll be a guard at the NFL level. But again, just that guy that has versatility. You could maybe get away with him out of tackle. I don't know exactly arm length what we're looking at. He's he is pretty small. He's 6'2". But again, just a guy who does well as a, as a run blocker, as we've seen. I mean, <laughs> what do they just run for? How many yards? Oh, my goodness. Like 300. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And they've been doing it all year. They just run over people. And Isaiah Wynn is a big part of that. They love to run behind him. And then as a pass blocker, again, he's a very refined guy at the position. He's very dependable. And I just... I feel like he's one of those great pieces that you just wherever your biggest hole is on the offensive line, especially in the middle, you pick him there, you put him there. And he does have a little bit of ability if you absolutely needed him to, to maybe play some tackle. Yeah. And he's a little bit small for the position, but a guy I really like. And then Billy Price for the center position, another guy that just showed up well in the bowl games. I mean, he just, he dominates his line of the scrimmage does well in pass protection. He just, I love his game. And again, versatility. I love guys that have a lot of that versatility. And so I, I would put him there. And then tackle position, I was trying to think. Orlando Brown for a right tackle again. That's the guy I really like. But Martinez Rankin, just because he has a little bit more versatility to play left or right and has shown well. But he's played some really tough competition there in the SEC, and he's held his own against them. I, I just love his game. All right, well, I have a little bit of combination of all your guys' stuff. We all have Connor Williams at left tackle, and we all have Quentin Nelson at guard. So, left guard there. So, can't disagree. Top two offensive linemen for me in this class. After that, my center is going to be Billy Price. He's more, He can play guard as well, but I don't think he has the length to be great there. But at center, I mean, he just – I really like what I see from him. He really controls the point of attack. Very technical. Moves well. For my guard, actually, I'm going to go with Martinez Rankin. I'm going to kick him inside. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Martinez Rankin, I think, is a guy who can play all five positions on the offensive line. He's taken snaps at center. He can play both guards. Can need to get stronger, but huge upside all across the line, and I want to get him in there. And I would take him before Hernandez at guard. I think Hernandez is probably a better guard day one, but I like the upside of Martinez Rankin overall. And then right tackle, nobody said him. I know we are, I think, not as high on him as many of the draft media are, at least, or at least were. I feel like some of them are starting to come down there. But Mike McGlinchey, I'm going to go right tackle. He played really good at right tackle when Ronnie Stanley was there. And just a solid pass blocker, technical guy. And you're going to get a lot of security and, what's the word, just safety at that right tackle position taking him. You know, I'm, he's, got, he's got a very high floor. Blood. Elite upside guy? No. Potentially more of a Ricky Wagner. But I'm okay with that, the right tackle position. So, yeah, that'll wrap up my unit. Eric, you finished with Mayfield, Barkley, Harris, Ridley, Christian Kirk, Dallas Goddard, Dalton Schultz. Miles Gaskin across the line was Williams, Nelson, Ragnow, Hernandez, and Orlando Brown. Carl, Darnold, Barkley, Geis, Ridley, Kirk, Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Damian Harris, Connor Williams, Quentin Nelson, Billy Price, Isaiah Wynn, and Martinez Rankin. And then for myself, I had Josh Rosen, just to be different at the quarterback position. I like all three. Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, Calvin Ridley, Auden Tate, a little different there, Mark Andrews, Christian Kirk, Jalen Samuels. Then for the offensive line, Connor Williams, Quentin Nelson, Billy Price, Martinez Rankin, and Mike McGlinchey. All right, well, that will wrap up this week's episode of the Huddle Up 2018 NFL Draft Podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl Dummler MHH. Eric, 
on Twitter at Eric Trickle and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you head on over to milehighhuddle.com an affiliate of scout.com and CBS sports digital to find ours and our co-writers latest articles, not just related to the draft, but all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. What are you guys working on this week that sh- listeners should look forward to? I just have a bunch of different draft stuff in the works. Nothing real concrete down, just a bunch of different ideas that I'm playing with. And it'll probably be either late this week or early next week that some of it starts going up. And what about you, Carl? You're starting to do some of those prospects that we sorted out? Yeah, that's that's my next big project is getting a few of those knocked out here in the next couple of weeks and really getting into this. Uh, it's going to be rapid fire for all you fans out there that love the draft. We're going to be bringing you lots and lots of content and lots of information on each of these prospects. So it's going to be fun. Yep, there's multiple of us doing it, and our goal is to bring you 300 scouting reports this year. (laughs) Over the last two years, I've done 300 by myself. So I believe with those of us who are partaking that it is extremely possible for us to get break that 300 mark. Lofty goals, lofty goals, but we will make sure that we are going to try to do that, and we are also going to do our best to bring you this draft podcast at least once a week. From now until after the NFL draft. I mean, that's our goal. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you listeners. For Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile High Huddle.